This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, corruption and mind alteration, discussion of the death of a spouse, and explicit male-female sexual content, including oral sex and intercourse. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 285. Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you. I'll also tell you about the successes and struggles of my writing career. More on that later in the show. For now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 26 in my Metamore City novel, Making the Cut. If you're new to the show, don't start here. Go back to Episode 259 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In last week's episode, Danny checked in again with her roommate, Kevin. Kevin has had some concerns with Danny's decision to become an androgyne, but he has also been loyal and supportive as she struggles to find a place of belonging in the world. After seeing the way Danny has grown closer to Jared, Kevin took her aside and gave her a birth control amulet, just in case she needs it. Danny was touched and excited to receive it, and immediately slipped it around her neck. Later that night, Danny took Jared to the cellar, a private club owned and operated by the Metamore Hive. Here, the members of the collective could meet and socialize with each other without being bothered by the Mundies, and alcohol, tobacco, and other recreational drugs could be enjoyed in relative safety. It was the sort of place where Daniel would have been marginalized as a single male, but as a woman, Danny is automatically afforded a higher status, even though her powers aren't any stronger than before. But Jared was uneasy being in such a place. Clubs like the cellar occupied a legal gray area, which ran contrary to his instincts as a cop. More importantly, though, he had never felt at home in Hive territory, after the way they rejected him when his powers first manifested. For a moment, it seemed as if he might leave before their date had really gotten started, but Danny gently persuaded him to stay, and gradually, Jared began to relax and open up. Danny's VIP status as a female telepath meant that Jared was welcome too, just by virtue of being with her. Danny was able to give him something that Daniel could not even have for himself, a sense of belonging among his own people. Eventually, they cuddled up in a booth together, shared a cannabis cigarette, and let the music carry them away. Making the Cut A Novel of Metamore City Written and read by Chris Lester 
Chapter Twenty Six. They left the cellar a few hours later. Danny felt relaxed and peaceful, and Jared had a contented look in his eyes that was a real pleasure to see. I've never experienced anything like that, Jared said as they got into his skimmer and ventured back out into Metamore City's endless stream of traffic. All those other teeps treating me like family? It makes me finally understand why people are so committed to the collective. Even in a room full of strangers, it feels like home. See, the hive does have its good points, Danny said. I'll be the first to admit it has problems too, but what family doesn't? True enough. Jared reached over and took Danny's hand. Thank you for showing me. I'm sorry I gave you a hard time about it earlier. Danny squeezed his hand in return. Apology accepted. Although, she added impishly, I wouldn't be averse to you doing me a little favor as penance. He smirked. What did you have in mind? Show me where you live. Off his surprised look, she added, Well, it's only fair, right? You've been to my apartment, what, five times now? And you haven't taken me back to your place even once. Color rose into his pale cheeks. I never asked because I didn't want you to think I was trying to take advantage of you. Through their skin-to-skin contact, Danny heard another thought that rose up unbidden in Jared's mind. And you're so beautiful that I might have tried. Danny blushed and smiled, and Jared's eyes widened. Oh, hells, you heard that, didn't you? She lifted his hand to her lips and kissed the backs of his fingers. Don't take it back when you're winning points, Jay. Come on, take me back to your place. She didn't have to ask again. Jared lived in an apartment-style condominium on the third level of the Valley North Borough. It was a quiet, residential neighborhood, or at least as quiet as the city ever got above street level, and traffic was light as they pulled into the parking garage that sat under the indigo glass towers of the condo complex. They parked in a numbered space and took a lift up to the fourth floor. The doors had electronic security pads instead of traditional locks, and Jared swiped a card through the reader to let them inside. The condo was small but elegant. A marble-tiled entry area blended seamlessly into a kitchen on the left and a dining area straight ahead. Beyond the dinner table, the tile floors gave way to plush carpeting in a sitting room, which had two leather sofas and a reclining chair arranged around a glass coffee table. Windows made up the entire back wall of the sitting room, giving a breathtaking view of the citadel four kilometers to the south. Even in the middle of the night, the faceted glass observation decks of the twin minarets shone like glowing jewels above the rest of the cityscape. Gods, Jared, it's gorgeous, Danny breathed. Thanks. I'm afraid I can't take all the credit, though. We have a cleaning service that comes through once a week. Come on upstairs and I'll show you the rest. On the left side of the sitting room, a spiral staircase led up to the second floor a loft area that looked out over the room below and shared its view of the city beyond. A large and comfortable-looking bed and two nightstands stood against the west wall of the loft, surrounded by framed photographs and a few small prints of Impressionist paintings. The east wall was home to a large computer desk, 
covered with data cards and assorted paperwork. Two bookshelves flanked the desk on either side, their shelves filled to overflowing. The titles ran through a variety of genres, but medical reference volumes, psychiatric journals, and detective novels all featured prominently, and there was an entire shelf full of what appeared to be photo albums. The back wall of the loft had two doors that led to a large walk-in closet and a master bathroom. I like it, Danny said. It must be nice waking up to that view every morning. Most days, Jared agreed. Although, he added with a chuckle, it can be a little unnerving when the window washers show up. There's a remote control that turns the glass opaque, but half the time I forget about it until there's someone hanging outside my window and I'm standing there in my boxers. Danny laughed, and her exhibitionist side felt a little thrill at the idea of giving the window washers a show to remember. I didn't even know I had an exhibitionist side, she thought. It's funny the things you learn about yourself when you stop being afraid of who you are. She drifted over to the west wall and looked at the pictures with interest. Some of them were clearly vacation photos. Jared with friends on the beach, the view from a mountain summit, even one on the steps of the Grand High Temple in Elfquillen. Another showed Jared shaking hands with a police officer in a navy blue dress uniform. Most of the others seemed to be slice-of-life images, taken at parties, in bars, or in places where the location didn't matter enough to be included in the frame. Danny noticed that one person seemed to appear in more of the pictures than anyone else, even more than Jared himself. She was an attractive Arambian woman in her early twenties, tall and willowy, with striking blue-black skin and short, nappy hair that was covered by a scarf in many of the photos. Several of the photos showed Jared with his arm around her, or vice versa. "'Hey, who's this?' Danny asked, gesturing at one of the pictures. Jared's smile faded. He sat on the edge of the bed, and his body seemed to fold in on itself. "'That's Catherine,' he said. "'My wife.' Danny suddenly found it hard to breathe. What... what happened? she asked. Jared stared at the floor. She was killed. Three years ago. He swallowed. Vampires. Oh, gods. Danny sat down on the bed and put her arm around him. Is she... He shook his head. No. She left instructions not to let her be turned if that ever happened to her. We... we had to have her cremated before she came back, so the M.E. never found out who did it. He gritted his teeth. It was easy to figure why, though. Because you're with the cops? Danny ventured. He nodded. She could tell he was on the edge of tears. Shit, this evening isn't turning out like I hoped, she thought. She looked around for inspiration, and her eyes fell on the shelf full of photo albums. Are those pictures from when you guys were together? She asked, pointing at the shelf. He looked up, sniffed, and nodded again. Most of them, yeah. Danny got up and pulled out two of the photo albums, then carried them back to the bed. She opened up one of them and set it on his lap. Tell me about her, she said. Not how she died. Tell me about you two together. 
Tell me how she lived. Jared hesitated. I'm not sure I can. I... I just stopped wearing the ring this past New Year's. Danny took his hand. Could you try? She asked gently. This is a huge part of your life we're talking about. If we're serious about being together, I want to get to know that side of you. He sniffed again, then squeezed her hand tightly. Okay. For you, I'll try. Jared looked down at the first page of photos and began to talk. Haltingly at first, but with a gradually increasing confidence, he told Danny about Catherine, about her passion for music and her career as a concert violinist, about the strange chain of coincidences and happy accidents that had brought them together, about their two years of awkward on-and-off courtship, with all of its deliriously happy moments and awkward cultural missteps, and about their marriage, three blessed and mostly contented years of just living life in each other's company. As he grew more comfortable talking about her, Jared was even able to share some of the funny moments from their life together, like the trip to Pyralis, when Catherine had conspired with the local merfolk to steal Jared's surfboard, so he would spend more time sightseeing with her. What she didn't count on was how much I truly loved that board, Jared said, grinning. So I told her, okay, how about a boat tour around the bay? And she said, sure, sounds like fun. So he paused, interrupted by his own laughter. So I go to the guide, and I pay him to take us over the local merfolk village. Oh no, Danny laughed, shaking her head. And as soon as the Murs come up to see what's going on, I jump in and grab one of them and tell them to take me to their priestess, because I'm not leaving until I get my damned surfboard back. Danny groaned and smacked her hand against her forehead. Oh, prophet, bless it. What do they do? Jared giggled, his whole body shaking with mirth. Well, the first one didn't know what this crazy human was ranting about. And, of course, he'd just come up out of the water, so he didn't have any air in his gill books to talk with. So he's just floating there, his mouth gaping, and he keeps sucking down air like this. He mimicked a gasping fish, which made Danny laugh even harder. And meanwhile, he's squirting water out of his gill slits, and it's shooting all over me. And when he finally sucks down enough air to speak, he doesn't know any common. So he starts talking to the tour guide, and then the tour guide starts cracking up. Turns out that the Murr thought I was offering to become his oath brother. Oh, gods. What did Catherine say? Well, when she picked herself up off the deck and could finally breathe again, she said, Jared, I know he's gorgeous, but I'm telling you now that it's him or me. They both doubled over laughing at that, and it was well over a minute before either of them recovered the power of speech. Of course, Jared added. After that, she explained everything. I was pretty upset, until she told me that it wasn't really gone, and the Murs were going to bring it back before we left. Then she apologized for having my board stolen, and I apologized for not paying enough attention to what she needed, and we finally ended up going back to the hotel room for makeup sex. So I guess it all worked out in the end. Danny snickered and wiped her eyes. Oh, hells. Remind me to just ask when I want you to do something, instead of trying to manipulate you into doing it. (laughs) 
It's a deal. His eyes drifted over to the bedside clock. It was well after 1 a.m. And on that note, I guess I'd better take you home, seeing as we both need to be up for work tomorrow. He gathered up the photo albums and carried them back over to the shelf. Danny came up behind him and put a gentle hand on his shoulder. Jared? He turned around, his dark eyes curious. She came deliberately close to him, not pressing her body against his, but close enough to feel his breath as she looked him in the eyes. Inviting, she reminded herself, not demanding. Soft and flowing, always. She placed a hand against his cheek and brushed her thumb softly against it. With her other hand, she unfastened the first two buttons of her blouse, revealing the birth control amulet that rested between the upper curves of her breasts. Take me home tomorrow, she said. Jared's expression turned worried. Danny? Are you sure? She resisted the urge to roll her eyes. Too damned noble, she thought. Jared, look at me, she said, keeping her tone gentle and even. I haven't been drinking. I haven't had a cab in hours. My mind is clear. She gestured at her amulet. I even brought protection. This is what I want. If it's what you want. Danny wrapped her arms around his neck. As she ran her fingers over bare skin, she heard his thoughts floating at the surface, uncertain. Catherine would want you to do this, Danny sent back to him. We've honored her tonight with our words. Isn't it time to honor her memory by finding the happiness that she would want you to have, here and now? A part of her will always be with you, and a part of Rebecca will always be with me. But we have to have enough courage to go on to make new lives out of the old. Jared smiled, a bittersweet expression. He wrapped his arms around her waist. Sometimes you're a lot wiser than your years, Danny. She ran her tongue over her lips to moisten them. Her heart felt like it was hanging somewhere high above her, suspended by a thread. First time for everything. So, what do you want, Jared? He leaned forward, his lips nearly touching hers, and raised one hand to cradle the back of her head. You, he whispered, and kissed her. Danny felt the passion inside her flame into life immediately, as intense and all-consuming as that ill-fated kiss in the restaurant. This time, though, no one tried to stop her, and with joy she opened herself up to it completely. Her spell-sculpted body reshaped itself in response to her desires, and suddenly her clothes were too tight to contain the voluptuous curves of her hourglass figure. "'Oh, gods,' she panted, fumbling with the clasp on her bra. "'Oh, gods, hurry!' Jared wasted no time helping her out of her clothes, and as she stepped out of her fallen jeans, he paused and stared at her, his eyes drinking her in from head to toe. She felt another wave of pleasure, and her nipples rose to attention, while the warmth and wetness of her arousal filled the cleft between her legs. Then she was on him like a tigress, pinning him up against the bookshelf, arms and legs wrapping tightly around him, as if she were trying to envelop his entire body. 
He met her kisses with his own, strong and unhesitating, then cupped her ass in both hands and lifted her up until he could reach her breasts. He spun her around and sat her down on the edge of the computer desk. His mouth found her breasts again, and he sucked and licked and teased her nipples, first one and then the other. At the same time, the fingers of one hand reached down to explore between her thighs, moistening themselves with her own juices and running lightly over the folds of her lips. It was sweet, blissful agony, a taunting, seductive dance that drove her already fierce ardor into a firestorm of desperate need. Please, she begged. Please, please, please. But whether she was begging him to stop or to keep doing it forever, even she did not know. As it happened, he did neither. Instead, he knelt before her and tasted her, his mouth joining his fingers in the dance. He found her clit and ran his tongue over and around it, a quick and delicate touch, there and gone in only a moment, but the sensation was so powerful that Danny cried out and nearly fell over. File folders flew onto the floor, their contents scattered, as she reached out to the sides of the desk to steady herself. He laughed, a low and hearty chuckle, and even the feeling of his breath against her skin sent more tingles and spasms of need coursing through her body. Then his tongue darted out again, lapping to either side of her swollen nub. The sensation was still intense, but more bearable, and she sent a wordless, telepathic signal to him that this was the right spot. He sent back an equally wordless reply, and his tongue began to move in a steady, patient rhythm. Danny had never felt anything like it before. Daniel had felt echoes of Rebecca's pleasure when he would go down on her, but even a telepathic bond was no substitute for direct experience. She writhed and moaned under Jared's touch as he gradually stoked her higher and higher, until any semblance of coherent thought was driven out by waves of pleasure. Her hips started to move of their own accord, grinding against Jared's face. He kept his rhythm steady, but increased the pressure of his tongue against her tender flesh. Danny's thighs clamped tight around Jared's head and held on for dear life as her first female orgasm crashed through her body. She screamed in ecstasy and fell back across the desk, spilling more papers as she writhed and shuddered under the aftershocks of her climax. Jared moved his mouth a little further away from her clit, but kept lapping at her gently, playing along the cleft between her outer and inner lips, until her body relaxed once more. She felt him working his way back to her nub, intent on driving her up the summit again, but she sat up and grabbed his head in both hands. No, she told him silently, as she guided his mouth back to her own. I want all of you. She tasted herself on his mouth and found it sweet, not to mention intensely erotic. They stood up, and Danny's hands worked diligently to undress him, while her tongue danced with his. She unbuttoned his shirt and pulled it off, then unfastened the fly of his jeans. She reached inside his boxers and grasped him. He moaned into her mouth, and she felt him twitch against her hand, growing firmer by the second. She dropped to her knees and pulled off his pants and underwear in one smooth motion. Cradling him in both hands, she looked up into his eyes and smiled. 
The surge of desire that ran through their telepathic bond needed no translation. She teased him as he had teased her, using hands, lips, and tongue to coax him to rigid attention. Though she had never done this before, she instinctively knew how. The pseudo-curse that had changed her body carried with it a deep understanding of exactly what to do. The curse had been designed, after all, to create men and women who were unparalleled masters at giving pleasure. Danny gleefully took all it had to offer her, and used it without fear or hesitation. She reveled in the taste of him, the feel of him inside her mouth. Part of her wanted to carry him to his own climax like this, to milk him until she had swallowed every drop, but a larger part of her wanted, needed, something else. When he was ready, she stood up and put her hands on his chest, pushing him until he fell backward onto the bed. She climbed on after him, straddling his chest, and lowered her head to kiss him deeply. Then she slid slowly back and rubbed her soaking lips up and down the length of his shaft, lubricating him with her own slick juices. At last, with a helpful hand from Jared, she arched her back, rotated her hips, and let him slip inside her. With magically bestowed talent and the intimate knowledge of their telepathic bond, Danny controlled the pace of their lovemaking, bringing Jared to the brink again and again, only to back away from it, prolonging the experience. She rode him through one climax of her own, and up toward the verge of another. Here at last she abandoned all self-control, bucking wildly as his hips rose up to meet hers, and they crashed over the final summit together. She collapsed atop him, kissing him with passion but no longer with desperate urgency. Both of them were sated, and the psychic bond between them only grew in intimacy after their physical urges had been fulfilled. Jared held her close, and she rested her head against his chest and listened to his heartbeat as it slowly returned to normal. He planted soft kisses on her neck. Danny, he whispered. Oh, gods, Danny, I love you. Never leave me. Never leave me. And Danny knew, in that moment, that she would never want to. And that's the end of Chapter 26. Come back next time, when Rebecca gets a very unsettling premonition about Daniel and tries to do something about it. Dorianne Lau said, Good writing works from a simple premise. Your experience is not yours alone, but in some sense a metaphor for everyone's. So, let's take a look at my experiences this week. It's time for the Weekly Writing Report. This update covers the week of April 17th to April 23rd. I wrote 1,511 words this week, over the course of 2.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 604 words per hour. I wrote on 3 out of 7 days. This week I broke my writing chain on April 19th, after 366 days. That's my second longest chain since I started keeping track of them, 
and after a full year of writing or podcasting every day, I decided I needed a break. Mel has been on vacation this week in South Carolina, so I've been working a lot from home and playing the Mass Effect series in the evenings. I did start doing some planning for a new House of Bellevue story, a little character piece written from the perspective of Alex. Hopefully I'll start actually writing it soon. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255-082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2021 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.